0: great to be here with you, and be a part of your fellowship, to see what God's doing, hear what God's saying. Um, I nearly don't have to speak this morning, I think, after all that God has already said. But I want to, um, I want to share with you uh, for a few minutes just a, a word that God's put on my heart, and I believe it's uh, very relevant for your church here this morning. And uh, so we're going to turn to the scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, would you open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1? I just want to read a couple of verses from there, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 21, it says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Amen. I want to pick that first verse up again. Now he who has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. I want to talk this morning uh, for a few minutes about the concept of the anointing. Seems a rather strange subject to speak to a Pentecostals about about the anointing. But I want to take some different aspects about what the anointing is what the anointing does, and uh, just one part this morning about what the anointing has accomplished within us. And um, when we think of the anointing, a lot of people think of the gifts of the Spirit, think of tongues, they think of interpretation, prophecy, working of miracles, all those things, and that's very true. It's all part of the anointing, no doubt about that. But there's another aspect of the anointing that I want us to comprehend and to grasp this morning that I believe will transform the way we live. It transforms our relationship with God. It transforms our walk with God in such a way that we'll never be the same again. And the the amazing thing is that he's already done it. It's a matter of us waking up to it and realising that these things have already happened. I want to use a little illustration and then I'm going to show a video clip um, in just a minute. But there's there's an old story about the, the fellow who goes... Is down at the, uh, standing at the borders and and there's this army coming up from the south, coming up towards the north. And anyway, this one guy, just a wee fellow, stands up on the bit of a hill and he yells out to the army that's coming and he says, I'm here alone and I will fight you. Send your best men and I will fight them. So the general from the south says, nah, Five of you you guys go up there and just wipe him out. So as they go up to get him, he actually goes down behind the hill and the five men go over. Next minute, there's a sound of clang and swords and bang and shields and all that stuff and dust up in the air. Next minute, the little wee guy stands up again and says, is that all you got? Send me more. So the general sends a 100 men up and 100 men go over. The guy goes down over the other side of the hill. Next thing, clang, bang, smash, crunch, The guy stands up there again, the wee man stands up again and goes, is that all you've got? Send me more, it's just me, come on, send more. So the guy sends a whole battalion, about 500 men. Up, go out there and get this guy. So there's this draping up. As they're coming over the hill, this guy goes down and bang, slash, bang, smash, smash. About 15 minutes later, the wee man stands up there again, dusts himself off and says, it's just me, come on, I'll take it on. And while he's doing that, one of the guys who had gone down the fight survived. And he crawls up behind him and says, Don't listen to him, he's a liar, there's two of them. (laughs) And there's a bit like that when you've got the anointing, it's not you anymore, there's two of you. You see what I'm saying? It's not just us. And I like what our brother was saying there, Ian, It's not a matter of, of just standing there by ourselves. We stand upon the word. We stand because someone who dwells within us is greater than he that is in the world. Is that right? So there's two of you. No matter what you face, there's two of you. And it's an exciting thing to do. The anointing. I want to talk about the anointing. In this passage, he's talked about the fact that, the, that he has established us and he has anointed us. That's a great word. He has established us. It's something which we are established. There's something which is a foundation. There is a foundation in which we stand upon. God has given us a foundation. I don't know about you, but before I was a Christian, everything I stood on fell to pieces. Everything I got involved in fell to pieces. But when you come into Christ, there's a foundation. There's an establishment. And the other thing is that he has established us together. They're a part of a family. We're part of a body. We are connected. We are in relationship. We are people who are established together. He that has established us in Christ, established us together in Christ, and he has anointed us. And it's God who does the anointing. As we go through this, you'll see a very interesting thing in the New Testament. When it comes to the Spirit of God, when it comes to the Spirit anointing, The only one who anoints us in the New Testament is God. In the Old Testament, prophets anointed, priests anointed, kings were anointed, all these different things were happening. But in the New Testament, it's God himself who takes the responsibility to anoint us with the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's a personal responsibility that God takes upon himself that when we become born again, the first thing he does to us is that he takes the responsibility and he anoints us with the Holy Spirit. There is an imbibing, there is an impartation, there is an a, a imbibing of the Holy Spirit and it's not just a come and go thing, but it is a residual, residential abiding of the Holy Spirit. So the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on and would come off. In the Old Testament, God would take a hold of Gideon, say, and he would clothe himself with Gideon. That's what it means to be, when the Spirit of God came upon Gideon, it actually meant the Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon and did something and then the Spirit of God lifted off again and Gideon was back to being who he was. But I want to tell you something, that's not how it is in the New Testament. The New Testament is that once he's anointed you, you stay anointed. You are anointed for life. The anointing does something and makes you distinguishingly different than any other person on the face of the earth. Isn't that incredible? The anointing. Once we get a hold of this, we'll capture the anointing, what the anointing is. I want to show a little video clip. It's a, it's a clip. Back in 1936, there was the year when England had three kings in one year. King George the, the Fifth died in the January his son who was David who took the name of Edward the Eighth. Se- he uh, ascended to the throne what they call ascended to the throne and before the end of the year he abdicated he fell in love with a woman and she was not fit to be queen etc etc <clears throat> and so he chose her over the throne and in December 1936 he abdicated and in The December of 1936, his brother, Bertie, who became George VI, ascended to the throne. And in 1937, he was coronated as king of England and Britain. Now, we're not here to celebrate the British throne. We're actually using an illustration of what the anointing and what the coronation actually means when they do it now it's a secular thing but the actual concept of it is exactly what God's talking about so if we can play that that'd be really good it goes for about three minutes need to turn it up a little bit I think hit the lights can we
1: Yes. Ah, there you are. Come in. I'm practicing for the big day tomorrow, and um... I need an archbishop. Will you do me the honor from here?
2: Willing to take the earth.
1: I am willing.
2: Will you maintain and preserve in
1: invi? Ah, uh, inviolably. It means to make a promise you can you can never break. A very. Sacred promise indeed. Yes. We're ready for you. Sir. Oh, not yet, Tommy. We haven't even reached the anointing. You have to anoint me. Otherwise, I can't be king. Do you understand? When the holy oil touches me, I am... T- I am transformed. Brought into direct contact with the divine. For- forever changed. Bound to God. It is the most important part of the end entire ceremony so we had better practice hadn't we archbishop
2: be thy hands anointed with holy oil be thy breast anointed with holy oil head, anointed with holy oil as kings, priests, and prophets were anointed.
1: Goodness. That's very heavy indeed. Five pounds, sir. Uh, Not to mention the uh, (laughs) symbolic... Wait, hmm? As a sight I hoped i never see.
0: just a secular thing where they symbolise something from the anointing of kings but I want you to catch something that he said there he said that once the holy anointed touched him holy anointed oil touched him he was changed forever put him in touch with the divine and that he would never be the same again that's the principle of of what God has done by giving us the anointing at salvation. That anointing is meant to change us forever, to cause us to be distinguished, to be never the same again. If you follow that series on, you'll see that he later on says that Albert Windsor, that was his name, Albert Windsor died the same day that he was coronated and he became. King George VI and his concept was the old had gone and the new had come. The principle is exactly the same. The anointing. The anointing is a very interesting term. It's something which um, means to smear, to flow, to grease. They would anoint the, the yoke of an ox so that it would not rub against his flesh and they would call it the anointing of the oak, yoke. They would anoint. So anointing was something that just simply meant to flow or to smear or to anoint, to put grease upon, to cover. Um, And in the scriptures, there's indicates two types of anointing. There was the anointing, which was a common anointing, and that common anointing was what would happen in everyday society. People would be anointed to, to visit somebody. When you went and visited someone's house, in a hot climate, they would put a sweet-smelling oil upon your feet or upon your hair, and there was something to cover and mask the, the different um, smells and things like that. Um, coming from a hot climate, it would rejuvenate your skin. It would be something which was a, an essential thing, something that happened all the time. Things were anointed. As I said, the oxen were anointed. Different things were anointed. There was something which was common to do that. They would anoint for burial at times. They would do all these things. So anointing was a common thing thing that would be done, we don't do it, but in their society and in even Hock societies today, Arabic societies and so on, they would anoint you with oil, to, to replenish your skin, they would do those sorts of things and the concept of it was that it was something which would bring refreshing and would do something to make you sense and be a bit different, the anointing, they would anoint people for healing, they would put oil upon their wounds, they would do those things, you see it with the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan carried oil and wine and he anointed the man and poured wine upon him and that was to for medical reasons so there was a what you call a common anointing something which was common in those days even when they talk about it in James that you would anoint the sick that was a common thing to do but of course when James is talking about it he's talking about adding something spiritual to that anointing that that anointing is no longer just anointment but is actually a symbolic of the Holy Spirit himself. And so the anointing was symbolic of, of different things. But then you get what is called the holy anointing or the holy oil, the holy anointing. And the holy anointing was a special mixture made up of different spices and different things. that was mixed up by the, by, for, the, for the anointing of priests, prophets and kings. Now I want you to get this. That oil was only ever to be used to anoint prophets, priests, and kings. You follow me? You didn't, and nobody, in the general public, the general person never got anointed with holy oil. In fact, it was so holy and so sacred that they were forbidden to pour it on normal, natural flesh. It was against the the law of God to pour that anointing on the flesh. There was uh, something that could never be copied. You could not copy this. You could not... Go and do a generic marketing of this oil, anointing oil. You couldn't go somewhere and find out that you could buy it cheaper in the, in the street stalls. There was something which was extremely precious and symbolic. It was symbolic of the anointing that turned a man into a prophet, that turned a man into a king, that turned a man into a priest. And there was all these different symbols and signs and things that they would do to do it. The priest would put it on, it would be poured over his garment and would flow down over him. We're going to talk about that in a minute, how that when Aaron was anointed, it flowed down over his garment, over his beard, down over his cloak and down over his feet. There was an anointing that flowed that had transformed the priesthood from then on, anointing. It actually talks about Jesus in the Old Testament, that when he would come, he would be one who was anointed far above the oil of gladness, far above all All these fellows. It talks about Jesus being anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, went about doing good and healing all those who are pressed to the devil. Jesus goes to the, to the synagogue or to the temple and brings out the, the mark, of the, 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 the scroll, opens it up and starts reading and says, there the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now when you read that stuff, we just read it. But I want you to think about this in the ears of a first century Jew. A first century Jew, when someone stood up there and said, I'm anointed, they would have had to be either a prophet, priest, or a king. Is that right? Can't just say, I've been anointed to go and visit somebody. That's nothing. But when they said an anointing, it was something that was symbolic. And so when Paul starts writing here that you have been established in Christ together and anointed, the concept in their mind is, what on earth is he talking about? Who am I? Just a commoner. How could I ever have a holy anointing? I'm not a prophet. I'm not a priest. I'm not a king. But I want to tell you something. According to the New Testament, Jesus became the prophet, priest, and king, the only one that's ever been three officers, to hold three officers and anointed as such. And we go through and you see where he's anointed as such to do those three offices. And then when we get saved and born again and we become Christians... Or anointed ones, anointed with the same anointing that was upon the anointed one. That's what a Christian is, means to be, Christ means Christ the anointed and his anointing. Christian means to be like Christ with his anointing. So if we are Christians then we are anointed ones and so as we go through the New Testament you see that the revelation that comes to us is that he has made us like kings, he has made us prophetic people and He's made us the priests. Revelation talks about us being a priestly king before our God. Acts chapter 2 says that the people of God would be a prophetic people. That this would come upon the people, didn't it? Upon my sons and my daughters they shall prophesy they shall be prophetic in their expression and so when you get the concept of this the early church must have struggled with this concept Paul and James and John and all those trying to teach that now God has anointed you with a holy anointing to become a prophet priest or a king and to hold that office so we are a prophetic people we are a priestly people we are kings in our own right. That's why Paul says that we're able to reign in life through the gift of righteousness. Is that right? Some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Or looking at me like a pair of hips on a snake. But look, the anointing means that God has anointed us. He has given us a relationship with the Holy Spirit that comes upon us at salvation, that sets us apart and changes us forever. It's the act of God the Father causing the Holy Spirit to take up residence in the life of the believer. It changes us into another person. That's why we have those verses that say, that says that uh, whosoever is in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Is that right? The old way we thought about ourselves, and the old way we thought about God and the old things we used to do and the old nature and all those things are gone. And the new way in which we think, the new way in which we see God, the new way we see ourselves, the new nature, the divine nature that has been imparted to us by the great and precious promises has come. And it's because of the anointing. You see, I've been around Pentecost for 40 years and it's quite amazing to me the amount of times that people are searching to try and find the anointing. Oh God, please give me a fresh anointing. Oh God, we need an anointing for this, an anointing for that. Let there be an anointing, an anointing, an anointing. But the Bible teaches us very clearly that the anointing that we have abides within us, lives, dwells, is resident within us. Everything you need to serve God, to be a prophet, priest, and king before our God is already within you because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And Paul says in Romans, he says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you are not of his. You have the Spirit that brings Christ to you. You have the Holy Spirit within. Now, there's another dimension where the anointing takes another dimension where the anointing wells up within us and then there's this baptism in the Holy Spirit where we are plunged into the power and the personality and all that involves in the Holy Spirit and there's a dimension where speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow and working of miracles and all that sort of thing comes out of that. But just anybody that believes, anybody who is a believer, God has taken the incredible initiative to say I anoint you as a prophet, priest and king with a whole the anointing and there's something that abides within us and it does a work within us. When I was a motor mechanic, that was my trade, I worked as a motor mechanic, I uh, did that for quite a few years and I particularly worked in the field of automatic transmissions. Automatic transmissions are automatic gearboxes, they would change gears for you. Um, most people don't have automatics here but in Australia they all have automatics goes to show that the Scots have got more clever. They know how to change gears. The Aussies don't. But anyway, the automatic. And the automatic transmission has this red fluid, the automatic transmission fluid. It's blood red. It's a blood red fluid. And uh, it's, it's got a very thin viscosity. In other words, it, it flows. And I used to work underneath these cars and you take the different things off it and every, as you did, oil would flow all over you and it would hit on your hair and come down and over your shoulders and on that and by the end of the day, the oil had soaked down through every part of you, right down, right, right down, right down. I mean right down. And I would, I would go home, take off my, my clothes, and my... Close your eyes, ladies. My, my underpants were red. They were soaked in oil. I would go into the shower and I'd be waterproof. It just, it just, it just. The, like that, I'd have to, I'd have to scrub myself three times before I could get through, because it didn't matter what you did. You, you would do everything you could. As soon as it hit your clothes, it had this. Yes, go, let's go. And it would sh- travel all the way through, all the way down. I, 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 I was just absolutely covered in oil. And the amazing thing about oil it's just got this ability to get into everything. It got into all the pores of my skin on a hot day. I would I would sweat and I'd be, oh, oil. Because in those days, no one ever thought about protective clothing. No one ever thought about earmuffs for noise. We just got in there and did it, you know. You know, we were the good old days, you know. <laughs> when mechanics were men, you know. <laughs> what, spanners? Just use your fingers, you know. <laughs> it, was sort of, it was like... The oil would just... I can remember once undoing something and having to hold something and the oil ran down like this and it went down inside and I felt it... and I had to hold this thing in place. I couldn't let it go and it's going down and down and down. And I'm going, oh no, oh, brother. Anyway, but it'll get down into your socks even because the amazing thing about oil is it's got a way to permeate into everything. That's why the that holy anointing oil was symbolic because the Holy Spirit, when he gets into your life, he gets into every area of your life. He starts to work in every area. He touches all those deep emotions. He touches all those wounds and hurts. He touches all those little secret places where you don't want him to go. And there's a place where you become saturated in this oil. Or as we put it in the New Testament, we are saturated in the Holy Ghost. As the Holy Ghost is working deep within us and moving and manifesting himself in us. The Holy Spirit does a work within us. What time have we gotta be finished here, Stevie? Half past what? <laughs> I like that. Half past. That's really well open. <laughs> oh my watch is an hour behind, so that's even better. Half past. So it's something which comes up sets us apart for the consecration and the holy use of God. See, when a prophet, priest, and king was set apart, the concept of being set apart was that they were consecrated for God's use and God's use only. You know, Like our brother was saying there this morning, he said there, do you think you've got a better way for your life or do you think God knows what's best for your life? It's the same principle. Do you think that God's got a better way? He has. It's a consecration to him to set apart. There's so many aspects of which we could launch into here and i just really got to be careful I don't use up all my time but but the, the prophet priest and king concept was a consecration and set apart. Once the anointing oil hits us we get a new identity. We are now believers in Christ, we are now in Christ. Uh, I, I teach this everywhere I go and I sometimes get into trouble because people don't want to believe it. But if you're going to read the Bible, there's only two types of people in the earth. There's those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. is that right? There's those who are in Adam, those who are in Christ. And there's only one way to get into Christ, is you have to be born into Christ. You have to be born again. Is that right? I, I love Scotland. I left my home 11 years ago, sold up everything we had, we moved over here, we bought a house. We live in Stirling. Our children went to school, went to university in Stirling and in Ayrshire. Uh, we uh, paid for them to go, we did all that stuff. They, my daughter and son-in-law live over in Dunfermline. My son still, my youngest son still lives with, lives, lives with us. Our other son's back in Australia, got married and is living back there. And we love Scotland. We, we've given our life for Scotland and there's, we'll do anything for Scotland. But There's only one thing we can't do. It's one thing we cannot do. We cannot become Scottish. I can sound like a Scots. You can hear my voice and the accent. <laughs> it's pretty broad and thick, isn't it? You know? Like I the not You know? I've learned a lot of Scottish words. Numpty. I hear people call me that as I drive. Numpty. Egypt. You know? I think it's a term of affection, isn't it? You <laughs> You Egypt. I go, hey, how you doing, mate? You know, <laughs> there's nothing, I can, there's nothing I can do about it. I can never, ever, ever, ever become Scottish because I have to be born Scottish. Oh no, that's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Trust a Scot to say that, eh? Oh no, <laughs> but I can't become Scottish because I can't be born that way. But I can be born again. I was born again and became a Christian and I became a part of the kingdom of God and so did you. And so that's more important than being Scottish or being Aussie. That's great, that's secondary. But the reality is, are you born into the kingdom of God? Have you been born as a son and daughter and anointed as such to be with him? It's wonderful, isn't it? To get this concept within us changes everything within the way we look and the way we think and the way we we feel, the way we look out at stuff and the way we look at stuff. It changes our identity. It sets us apart. We have a different spirit now. We're set apart for the use of the king. We're accepted. The presence of the Holy One is now with us. We have this uh, seal that we belong to him. It's what he goes on to say, that we have this seal or this down payment, this deposit, this guarantee, this this absolute assurance that, that we are with God and God's with us. I love what it says there. As soon as the anointing oil, in that video clip, as soon as that anointing oil touches me, I am in touch with the divine. Isn't that amazing? That you have access to God and God has access to you. That's what it means to be anointed. It means to have access to one another. <coughs> to have, by faith, a walk with God. Amazing. The anointing changes us forever and forever and forever. The residual Holy Spirit. Get your Bibles, turn over to 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter 1. Sorry, 1 John chapter 2. (coughs) And I want you to look at verse 20. In verse 20, it says this, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things they want everyone to say, but. One person. Very good. they <laughs> want to say, but. One, two, three. But. but. Don't you hate it when the minister tells you to turn to the person next to you and say, turn to the person next to you. Don't you hate it when they say that? I hate it. So turn to the person next to you and say, I hate it when they tell me to turn to the person next to you. <laughs> no one wants to sit next to you, so that's... <laughs> It's all right. I love, I love the big butts of scripture. <laughs> He's talking about here how that the, the spirit of Antichrist had uh, affected some of the believers and had taken them out and says that they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they'd been with us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be manifest that they were not of them, they were not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and know all things. One of the greatest things that the anointing has, one of the greatest things the anointing does is it anoints us to belong, to belong. Isn't that amazing? It anoints us to belong. If you are anointed by the Holy Anointing of God, then the first reason that you've been anointed is that you belong to Him and that you belong to the body of Christ if ever there was an age where people don't belong and people don't feel apart and people feel separated and people feel like they're outcasts and people don't feel like they fit it's in this 21st century would you agree there are so many people that are out there but the anointing causes us to belong we are anointed to belong we are anointed to belong to the house of God we are anointed to belong to the family of God and then there is an anointing to belong to your local church to belong to what God is doing in the local church, to recognize the anointing that is on the local house, the anointing that God has caused there to be upon a local church and to be anointed to belong to it, to be a part of it, to capture what God's doing in the local area. Anointed to belong. It's the, it's that uh, flow of ability to Flow together and to be a part of what God's doing and to capture what God is doing on a church. Got to put an anointing upon a house. Got to put an anointing upon a church. Got to put men and women anointed to be a part and that we fit in underneath and we flow together to achieve what God is doing and wants to do in a local area. It's called to be a part of, to be belonging to, to be anointed to belong, to be a part of it there. The word there is that he's dealing with was antichrists. And a lot of people are waiting for the antichrist to come, but John talked about here that the antichrist spirit was already around back 2,000 years ago and that there are many antichrists out in the world. And he's saying if you're going to be against the anointing, if you're going to work against the anointing on a church or the anointing on a house or the anointing on a leader or the anointing that God's doing or the anointing that God is wanting to manifest through a group of people, then you are working with the spirit of Antichrist, which means anti the anointing. And so we need to be in a place where we recognize God has anointed us to belong to the body, but there's also an anointing to belong to the local church, to belong to where God wants us to fit in and to be a part of and allow that anointing to flow through us. And he says there, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Well, it doesn't mean we know everything about everything. It means you know everything you need to know to fit into what God's doing. Because the anointing you've got is enough to cause you to be able to function, to do what you need to do, to fit where you need to go. Although I've had people come to me all the time over the years, 40 years I've been in churches 35, 36 years in um, full-time ministry at some level or other, and the number of people that come to me and say, I just don't fit, I don't belong, I don't feel a part, I haven't got anything to do. I say, goodness sake, get an anointing on whatever you do. Get an anointing on shaking hands. Let the anointing that abides within you well up from within you and become anointed to shake people's hands. We used to say, get an anointing to hand out the hymn books, an anointed hymn book out in the <laughs> Well, we don't do that now because we haven't got hymn books. But get an anointing to shake people's hands. Get an anointing to make a cup of tea. Get an anointing to give someone a seat. Get an anointing to be friendly. Get an anointing to invite someone around to your house. Let the anointing that abides within you flow up and flow out and start doing whatever has to be done. I tell you what, we need some anointed toilet cleaners. We need some anointed paper-up pickerers. Paper picker-upper is. See, you can tell I'm not anointed for that. I'm not anointed for that. If you really want to find something, be an anointed glass cleaner and every now and then just clean Stevie's glasses for him. Make sure he reads properly or whatever. That sounds funny, but I tell you what, as you get anointed for whatever you put your hand to, it's amazing how God gives you more and more and more and more as the anointing, the anointing that abides within us wants to flow out from us. There's a community out there that is desperate for God to touch them and he's not going to touch them except through you. In the last days it says there he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He will pour it out of us into them. We become the vessels whereby the anointing flows through. Let it flow through you and amongst you and amongst yourselves and learn how the spirit of God uses you and watch that anointing begin to take place See, it's not different anointings. It's one anointing. And he has different manifestations of how he wants to flow through. We can have the anointing of being friendly. The anointing of being helpful. Anointing in every way. Get a part of it. You know everything that needs to need, need to be to do and to function where God got you. Down in verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides within you. You haven't got to keep, oh God, please anoint me. Oh God, please anoint this and please anoint me today. You have already have it. It's already abiding within you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. You don't need a book. You don't need a, a, a television program. You don't need anyone that, that the anointing himself, the anointing, the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. He's not talking about we don't need teachers and we don't need people to instruct us in the word. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you don't need someone to teach you where you fit. The anointing that's within you teaches you, shows you where you fit, places you and releases you and flows through you so you do fit if you're willing. And the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and it's true and it's not a lie. As it just taught you, you will abide in him. In other words, the anointing will always teach you how to fit and to fit in with what God is doing. It flows through us. Let's turn to Psalm 133 and then we're finished. Psalm 133. And I I believe this is a word for your church here. David is writing this psalm. We'll just read it. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down over the beard, the beard, the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garments. It is like the Jew of Hermon descending from the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. David is referring to here of what it looks like when a people are together in unity. Wow. I don't know about you, but I often often like to do reverses and reverse the scripture because if one way is true, then the reverse must also be true. You understand? So behold how... Absolutely disgusting and how dividing it is for people to dwell in this unity. How unpleasant it is. How full of division and backbiting and hurt and pain and disappointment and disillusionment when brethren dwell together. Well, they don't dwell together, do they? <laughs> when people fight together in disunity. It's not like the anointing that flowed down over Aaron. But here, the positive is that when a people realise they're anointed to belong together, they're anointed to flow together, they know all things that are necessary to flow together. It is like when the prophet anointed the priest and that anointing came down over Aaron when it flowed down over his beard and flowed down over his whole garment and went through. When you become in alignment with those that God has appointed and anointed to lead and you come in underneath that, there is an anointing upon them that flows down over and flows down and comes down over the whole of the body and brings with it a refreshing and equipping, it brings with it that touch of the divine, it brings with it that making us different and separating us and causing us to be apart. It's a wonderful thing to fit into that. And this is the word I really felt for this church. Speaking of unity, he goes on to say, when unity comes, it's like anointing that comes down, the anointing of unity, the anointing that causes us to flow together. But then he says, it is like the dew of Hermon. Now, Hermon was a mountain in the midst of near Jerusalem. Mount Hermon was a very tall mountain. Now, I come from a dry climate. Where there's not much rain. When we first moved from Australia to Scotland, wow, we didn't think there was so much rain ever in the could ever come out of the sky at the same time. But it does. It's like when Noah got up there and started to say, "It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights." There was a Scotsman there, and he said, "Is that all?" (laughs) So what? So now you understand why Scotland gets so much rain. <coughs> but we, we, we're used to dry, dry, dry land. I can remember we hadn't had rain for seven years before we moved to Australia. It hadn't rained in our area. The ground was just cracked and dry and whatever, no moisture, not even any dew in the morning, nothing at all. And it was just, you would see a thunderstorm come across you'd see the rain pelting down and before it hit the ground, it would evaporate and go back up again. That's, you know. What? You can remember. So we understand what it is to be in a dry climate. And we were in a dry climate too. And Mount Hermon was so tall that it would go into the different area of the atmosphere. And as it was up there, it would draw the moisture from the air and it would bring it down to the earth and it would scatter dew across all the hills and the plains of uh, Zion. The immunity for the Mount Hermon was that it could reach up where there was no moisture and pull moisture out of the air and bring it down and cause there to be a watering of the earth. Isn't that amazing? It's the word I had for this church, is that if you capture this thing of unity, if you go and spend time reading up about the anointing and, and capturing the anointing and get this first thing that the anointing wants to do. We can talk about speaking in tongues and gifts of the spirit and other manifestations of the anointing um, another day maybe. But today, today, I'm talking about the special anointing that God wants for this house, the anointing of unity, the anointing of, well, it's not me any longer, it's what you want, Lord. It's not what Ian was saying. It's not what you want, what I want, is what you want, Lord. And as we laid out that down, as the anointing helps us to lay down our own agendas, our own priorities, our own value systems, and get a hold of His value, and we capture Him, we know all the things that are necessary for us to belong, we become like a mountain in the midst that spiritually, Whitburn Pentecostal Church can reach up into the heavens and bring down the presence of God, bring down the water of heaven, bring down the dew of God and start to water the earth around about, to start to touch and to take and to minister and to feel and to begin to bring a presence of God into the midst of a dry and thirsty land. With all the rain that Scotland's got, it's one of the most thirstiest spiritual nations I've ever met. If ever there was a need for God to move and to bring rain upon this land, spiritual rain and I tell you what, it's not going to happen by magic, it's going to happen by churches that come together in unity and begin to say as for me and my house as for me and my church, we will reach up into the heavens, we will pray, we will fast, we'll get an anointing on our worship we'll get anointing on whatever it is we need to do but we'll be anointed for unity and we will be like Mount Hermon and bring down the very dew of heaven and begin to touch the people around about us I've seen it happen. I saw it with Hillsong. Hillsong's one of the biggest churches in the world now but I remember when Hillsong first started. I was in Australia when it first started and we watched it start from 60 people and it grew and God did a phenomenal thing and incredible things that took place and it became like a mountain in the, west, in the western suburbs of, of Sydney. It began to grow and as it reached up it began to draw and all the churches around about started to fill up with people. You would have thought it's the other way around. You would have thought that people would have been leaving those churches and going there. But it wasn't. Some people didn't like the big church. Some people didn't fit in the big church. And they went to smaller churches. And the Jew that came from heaven started to fill up other churches. And other churches began to grow and began to capture something as God began to put favor upon an area in Sydney. Why can't that happen in Whitburn? Why can't that happen? It's happening in Aberdeen. There's a church of a thousand people up there and I guarantee that there's people being blessed and ministered to all around. They're not even a part of that church. Why? Because they're hermit reaching up, getting something from heaven and bringing it down. Oh, we want it. We want it. No, give it away. Bless. Minister. Pour it out. Let the dew from heaven come down. And what is the Blessing. It's a commanded blessing. Oh. oh, God, please bless us. No, I'm not going to. Because I'm going to command a blessing. A commanded blessing. Life everlasting. I've gone over my time, although it's, I've got another hour till I'm half, <laughs> half past again. Let me just say this to you in closing. Anointed to belong. Timothy tells us the Lord knows those who are his. How does he know? Because he's put an anointing upon them. There's a mark. There's a seal. There's something that distinguishes us from other people. It's not because we go to an AOG church. It's not because we go to Whitburn Pentecostal church. It's not because of we say the right things. It's because there is a mark. It's a spirit of anointing, and it anoints us to belong together in the purposes of God, belong to the family and the body of Christ, to minister and become a part of the local church and that the anointing that flows down over the leadership flows down over us it brings us into the eternal purposes of God and that brings us into divine revelation I believe when it talks about there the, the um, spirit of God wants to bring us into divine revelation that prayer that someone read out there this morning from uh, Ephesians 1 the spirit of wisdom and revelation that's the anointing. The anointing wants to teach you, give you wisdom, give you revelation. Oh, I'm tired of stuff that just comes from the head. I want something that revelation, a revelation that revolutionizes everything about me. Amen? You want that for your church? You want that for your own lives? Will you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the anointing. We saw in that little picture there that it's in touch with the divine, that Changes us into another person. We are no longer the same. Changed forever. And the anointing that has come upon this house, the anointing that's upon our lives, the anointing that has changed us, Father, is for a significant reason. And I pray for this church, I pray for this Whitburn Pentecostal church, I pray for this group of believers, that, Father God, that you would add people who were anointed to belong, that you would cause the people who belong to the taught, that they would understand, they would know all the things that are necessary to belong and to fit and to cause there to be that flow of anointing that reaches up like Mount Hermon and brings down the dew of heaven upon this church, upon this area, upon the people they touch and minister to. So Father God, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would let that anointing get the revelation that the anointing we have abides within us, the anointing abides within this church and that everything we need is in that anointing. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.